What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering? Or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Projects Manager with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, uh, my guest is Tom Giovanni with the California-based company Candescent. NCIA filmed a member spotlight video with Candescent in Desert Hot Springs last year. If any listeners want to see the interview with their CEO, Adrian Sedlin, just head to our website, thecannabisindustry.org, and use the search bar to search for Candescent. That's probably the quickest way. My guest today is Tom. He's the CFO of Candescent, and happy to have you on the show today, Tom. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So let's get to know you. Uh, It was a pleasure to meet Adrian before, so it's nice to meet more of the team at Candescent. What is your background? What kind of experiences did you have professionally or otherwise before jumping into the cannabis industry? Well, I'm a CPA and I was probably one of the first CPAs in the state of California to work in the industry. My uh, career path, uh, I started in one of the big four accounting firms, Ernst & Young, uh, and then like many other accountants, left the firm to go work for a client, uh, and that was a long time ago. But uh, since then, I've worked for a number of high growth and startup companies and uh, in a a variety of different industries, Uh, but generally, between you know 25 and a thousand employees for the most part oh wow yeah great so uh so you like math is what i'm what i'm hearing (laughs) i'm not sure if i like it but i'm good at it (laughs) okay all right fair um great okay so here you are in the cannabis industry it's also a movement a reform movement um so what is your passion or inspiration or what have you learned about 
about being in the cannabis industry uh, that's maybe different from other industries? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. And as, with regards to cannabis, I always thought it should be treated like any other product. It should be regulated. It should be taxed, decriminalized, um, and just generally made more available. Since I've been in the industry, I've, I've learned quite a bit more uh, about the war on drugs and how some society or portions of our society have been marginalized because of it, uh, and just generally how good it is for people uh, and how hard it's been to come by. So I feel like I'm pretty fortunate to have found this industry or the industry found me. Since I've been in the industry, um, you know, it's it's unlike any other industry that I've worked in, and I'm sure many of your listeners and anybody else who works in the industry can relate to the fact that it's much more difficult in this industry to do things that are taken as normal in other businesses and industries, um, and uh, it just generally has a lot more challenges than you would find in most industries. That's so very true. Uh, most industries don't have a problem getting and keeping their bank accounts, for example. <laughs> so true. Uh, great. So thanks for that background. Uh, so now you're the CFO with Candescent. Uh, so are you based in Southern California? Yeah, our headquarters are based in Santa Barbara, and all of our production facilities uh, where we grow, process, manufacture, and distribute are uh, in Desert Hot Springs, which is about 15 minutes from downtown Palm Springs in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got to drive through. There there definitely is not a whole lot going on in Desert Hot Springs, maybe except for Candescent's production facility. Um, interesting part of the country, no doubt. So uh, tell me more about your role at Candescent, the work you're doing, uh, what's going on at Candescent, generally speaking, the products you make, and so on and so forth. Take me through a verbal tour of Candescent. Sure. Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're vertically integrated in the sense that we basically cultivate, we process, we manufacture, uh, we make oils, uh, cartridges, and uh, vapes and we distribute our own product throughout the state of California. So all of that uh, happens down in Desert Hot Springs. And over the course of the last year or so, our headcount has grown by about 500% uh, because we've become essentially the number one brand of flour in California and have now kind of expanded our product portfolio and are doing a number of different things. So I, I spend a good chunk of my time dealing with the growth of the company and how we're structured. Um, mm. But just in general, uh, like many other companies in the, in the industry, there's a high demand for our products and we're growing as quickly as we can to meet that demand. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Um, so your products can be found in um, the emerging adult use stores as they slowly roll out in California and as well as medical Correct. You know, in, in California, the only distinction between medical and adult use happens at the point of sale. Mm -hmm. The retailer actually has to essentially tell the state, this is a medical sale or an adult use sale. Mm -hmm. We're in about 300 different dispensaries throughout the state of California, which is about half of the total population of dispensaries in California. Wow. Um, so, so we're well distributed throughout the state. Awesome. Thanks for explaining that. So one thing I know about the products, um, if you don't mind talking about that for just a little bit, is your company has created its own uh, naming system, categories of products. 
Um, so they're not necessarily being called typical strain names that you might see or hear about. Um, it's more about a mood or a feeling. Um, would you be able to talk about that a little bit? Sure, I can, I can talk about that a little bit. You know, I think we were probably one of the first companies to abandon strain names and market by effect. And our, our premise to the consumer is fairly simple. We ask them, how do you want to feel? And then based on their response, we've got an effect for that. So we're marketing our, our brand through five primary effects. It's calm, cruise, create, connect, and charge. And overall, we really are trying to simplify the category for consumers. We don't want them to have to have a degree in weed science to figure out exactly what they want to buy. And, you know, we're trying to make it a repetitive uh, experience so that, you know, they get the same experience or as close to it as possible every time they try one of our products. Um, and, and in that way, you know, they, they come to enjoy it and use it over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you've also done a great job with the packaging of your products as well. Um, really strong, clean packaging. In fact, our, uh, our, package, our marketing and advertising committee uh, wrote a blog for us sometime last year praising your packaging. Uh, you were included among some products uh, that have elevated levels of packaging, um, which is huge in our industry. Packaging and labeling, you have to present the product in a certain way for the consumer and also um, make it difficult to get into for, for little kids who should not have access to it. Uh, what are your thoughts about the way your packaging went? Well, you know, that's something we've worked really, really hard on. And uh, our brand has become very recognizable to the consumer. You know, a brand is more than just a promise to the consumer. It's it's thousands and thousands of business decisions that you make on a daily basis that back up that brand. And uh, we were one of, I think, the early adopters in California to realize, look, the packaging matters. How we get the product to the consumer matters. Um, we decided to put our product in opaque packaging before it was even required by the state, which was, uh, that was an interesting and challenging experience back in the day. Uh, when a consumer was used to going to a dispensary uh, and seeing a glass jar of product and then, and then the bud tender would, you know, reach into the jar and, and pull out a few nugs uh, and, and bag that up for the consumer. Yeah. Uh, we basically asked the consumer to trust us. Hey, what's inside this package? You can't see it, but you're going to really like it. Uh, that was an interesting challenge before legalization happened in California. Now, of course, everybody has to have their product in in something that's prepackaged before it gets to the consumer. Um, but, but, you know, when we started doing this, being an early adopter was, was a little bit challenging. Um, but I can tell you, we work really, really hard on our packaging uh, uh, along with everything else that we do, because, you know, the one thing that, that, that we do that may be a little bit different, we approach the industry like a consumer packaged goods company would um, in any other industry. And by design, we haven't really wanted to have the retail presence. We want to be a little bit upstream of the retailers uh, and, you know, give them that product that they can rely on. Um, so, you know, we work hard on the packaging and, uh, and we hope that uh, everybody likes it as much as they like our product. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Great. Well, we're going to take a commercial break here in just a minute or so. Um, quick question about... Uh, the idea of federal legalization and would 
is candescent thinking with a twinkle in their eye um, about offering their products in other parts of the country? I think like many other companies, we're looking at a number of different states, even if federal legalization doesn't happen. You know, in the short term, in the very near term, actually, people will be able to get our products in Nevada. Uh, we're weeks away from launching our vape line in Nevada. Uh, we're also looking at other states that maybe are the same targets that many other folks are looking at, Michigan, Massachusetts, New York, Florida, Arizona. Um, so we are absolutely going to expand outside of California. Mm-hmm. We've, we've waited maybe a little bit longer than a lot of other people uh, to do that because we really wanted to build a strong brand presence inside of California first mm-hmm. before we went on a national expansion. Uh, because, you know, it, it, if you can make it in California, as the saying goes, right, you can make it anywhere. And uh, this is one of the most competitive markets in the country since, you know, it's had some form of legalization since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really wanted to get established here before we started rolling across the rest of the country. Makes sense. And we can chat a little bit more about the uh, national economy later in the episode. Uh, we'll, we're going to take a quick commercial break uh, and then we'll be right back to talk more with Tom from Candescent. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we are back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, talking with Tom DiGiovanni, the CFO of California-based company Candescent. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about some big news from Candescent recently. I heard about a solar development project. And I, if I understand correctly, it's the first of its kind in the cannabis industry. Is that right? And can you tell me more about it? Yeah, we were the first cannabis company that we can find anyway, that has built a commercial scale solar project to power one of our grow facilities. 
And, you know, I, right before I worked in cannabis, I worked in the solar industry. And when I was in the solar industry, uh, I, was, I was at one of the top commercial companies. And we always wanted to do projects in the cannabis industry. We had many companies come to us and ask if we would finance their project for them. And uh, generally, those projects always got turned down because no one wanted to finance a solar project for a cannabis company. Mm. So it was really, really difficult. I saw the same thing when I came into the cannabis industry. And, uh, you know, from the start, we wanted to do a solar project for our grow facility. Many of these indoor facilities are as energy as intensive energy intensive as a data center would be on a per square foot basis. Sure. They use a lot of power. And, you know, from the start, we wanted to offset as much of that grid power as we could. But at the end of the day, it took us about two years to put together the financing uh, package for the project. And once we got the financing dialed in, uh, which was no small feat, it actually, you know, took less than seven months from the time we got permits to the time we actually turned the system on uh, and started producing power from it. And, and now, uh, I just looked uh, the other day, we're offsetting our peak load by about 54%, which is actually we're outperforming what we thought we would do for the system. We were limited in this particular case by the, the boundaries of the particular site. We would have gone to 100% offset if we could, uh, but it's a relatively small site. And the, the local fire department prevented us from putting solar panels on the roof of the building. Um, so we're, we're limited to offsetting about half. Uh, but I'm super excited at the way the project turned out. It you know, basically produces over 500,000 kilowatt hours a year of power. Uh, that's 365 tons of carbon offset every year, uh, which is the same as a 430-acre forest. And, and to put it in wow. a different perspective, that's like not burning 400,000 pounds of coal every year, which is that's pretty exciting for us. Yeah, congratulations on the project. Um, it It's really addressing these bigger conversations that our industry has to talk about, like sustainability, um, and not just in cannabis. And of course, Earth Day later this month is right around the corner. And some cannabis companies are stepping up their game to address ways to become more sustainable for the future, sustainable for the environment um, and for their communities. What else is going on at Candescent to inspire this kind of sustainability movement? You know, we're working on a whole host of different things. And, and one of the things to point out, because we grow indoors, we have mixed light facilities and indoor facilities. Generally, we use very little water because it's all hydroponic with drip irrigation. Hmm. But, you know, the other thing, we're not using any pesticides. We're now investigating uh, LED lighting solutions, particularly in our flower rooms. Uh, we're working with Southern California Edison, as a matter of fact. Uh, they've, they've asked us to pioneer uh, or experiment uh, with a few different LED technologies. They've been to our facilities several times uh, because, believe it or not, even though they make more money if we use more power, uh, they're heavily invested in trying to reduce power usage from the industry. We're also uh, now in the planning stages of putting solar on some of our other buildings. We're recycling all of our green waste uh, and we're, you know, looking at uh, something that would be relatively new to the marketplace, uh, which would be a recycling program for vape devices um, and other kind of cannabis-related devices. In California, it's particularly difficult to get that done because there's a lot of restrictions on consumer returns. They can't mail cannabis products back even if they're used. Um, you know, so there's a whole kind of uh, process that has to go on behind the scenes to get a recycling program done. 
Um, but we've started talks with a, with a potential partner about putting together a recycling program so consumers can bring back their used devices uh, and then we'll recycle them back to their raw materials. So we're, we're super excited about that. And I, I hope to see it come to fruition. It's going to need a little bit of help uh, from the state regulators to get done. Uh, but we'd really like to see that happen. Yeah, that is really cool and, and interesting as well. Um, yes, we are creating waste. There's disposable pens. There's the cartridges, of course, that you have to replace. Um, even with rechargeable vape pens, the cartridges are, you know, I have probably five almost empty cartridges in my car right now <laughs> that I just don't know what to do with. Um, and here in Colorado, I've seen some dispensaries do have a um, a recycling bin, I guess, uh, but it's just for the, the the little containers that hold fresh flour. It's not for vape pens or any other uh, products. It's literally just for the little pop open plastic pop open your your um, cannabis product and put it back in. So that's nice, but yeah, we still have a long way to go with with the waste that we're creating, and um, I think we need to start getting creative about it. Um, so as a CFO, you're good with the numbers, you're in charge of the money, and uh, as I hinted at earlier, money in the cannabis industry has some challenges that go along with it. And of course, the big one is banking access. We have made some great progress getting the Safe Banking Act um, marked up and out of the Financial Services Committee in the House of Representatives. So this is historic progress, uh, but there's still more work to do. It's, it's not law yet, but getting it out of that committee um, was huge. How does banking impact your ability to just run your business normally? Um, before I answer that question, let me say I really appreciate all the effort that the NCIA put into to help get this Safe Banking Act through the Financial Services Committee. It's a huge deal for the yeah. industry. Um, you know, when, when we had Pete Sessions in the House, uh, he was blocking anything relating to cannabis, right? So now that the Democrats took over the House, a lot of these bills are starting to move again or, or you know, new bills are being introduced. So yeah. we're seeing great progress there, but it certainly helps to have somebody like NCIA in our corner. I, I can tell you for us as a business, we're extremely fortunate. We were one, I think we were the first company actually in California to figure out compliant banking. Uh, and we were able to open compliant bank accounts back in 2017. So what that essentially means is I've got a checking account that I don't have to worry about losing. I can pay all of my employees through direct deposit. I, we pay all of our vendors uh, with checks unless they don't have a bank account and require cash. Mm. Um, but we still have to deal with a lot of cash. I mentioned earlier, we're selling into about 300 dispensaries. Most of our customers, even if they have bank accounts, they may not have told the bank exactly what it is that they're doing. Um, and they can't write us a check. They don't have anywhere to deposit their cash, but they know we can take it to the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. So 85% of our uh, sales, we still receive payments in cash from our customers. Right. So we have a whole process behind the scenes uh, to essentially you know, move cash around and uh, basically count it three times and ultimately get it to an armored courier who delivers it to the Federal Reserve in Los Angeles. We see a 50% loss of productivity just around dealing with all of that cash and security. Yeah. 
uh, and that kind of thing. And then the other thing is, and the entire industry in the United States is dealing with this because banking is closed off. There is a safety concern. Absolutely. We, we think about it and deal with it. All of our customers think about it and deal with it. But the other thing is the cost of capital in this industry is extremely high. Um, you know, we're looking at high double digits, uh, 18 to 20% interest rates. Um, that's something up in Canada that they don't have to deal with anymore because banking is open to them. When yeah. that happens in the United States, it will turbocharge the industry and create thousands and thousands of additional jobs. Because when the cost of capital goes down, people will invest more in the industry and you know, there'll be more demand for workers. And it's great because these jobs can't be exported. So you know, everyone's gonna benefit when, when banking opens up to the industry at large. Totally agree. We're gonna keep pushing. Um, our government relations team in DC is pushing year round um, to get the Safe Banking Act moving as well, as well as some other pieces of legislation that would benefit our industry as well. Um, so before we take our last commercial break here, um, we, we talked about California. It is considered the sixth largest economy in the world, um, also for the cannabis market. And regulations have, you know, I've been hearing it's been a little bit of a roller coaster rolling out adult use cannabis laws. How's, how's that going for you? Does that impact you or since you're not on the retail side, not so much? Uh, oh, no, it, it, it impacts us a great deal. For those people who are listening who don't know, there are essentially three regulatory agencies in California, plus the tax regulatory agency. So there's four agencies that we deal with. Um, we're on now our third set of regulations since legalization happened at the beginning of 2018. Uh, hopefully this one sticks for a little while. Yeah. But, uh, at last count, I just looked at the end of last month, there are 58 different bills pending in the state legislature that have the word cannabis or marijuana in them. Wow. So sometimes it feels like you're standing in quicksand. It's extremely expensive to comply with the various regulations in the state. Um, and they're changing. And sometimes when they change, you really have no ramp uh, to change to respond, right? So that means, okay, a bill gets passed and guess what? Next Monday, it's, you know, the, the new regulation starts. So you have to be ready for that. Oof. Sometimes you have a day or two to respond. And, you know, as much as it's expensive to comply, I think we're all willing to do everything that we can to comply. But what we really want the state to do is enforce the regulations. Um, and in California, we have a big problem with the illegal marketplace some estimates put the total size of the market uh, in California, uh, you know, it, it depends on, on who, whose estimate you, you listen to, but mm -hmm. as much as 65% of the market is still, the transactions are still happening in the illegal marketplace. And that's really a huge problem for the industry. It's extremely gotcha. expensive to comply with all of these regulations. So uh, we, we need some help on the state side uh, to yep. the regs that are, that, that are in place. Makes sense. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, all right, so we're going to take our last commercial break here and be right back to wrap up our conversation with Tom from Candescent. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, wrapping up our conversation with Tom from Candescent, based in California. All right, so um, thanks for uh, sharing about your struggles with banking, and I'm glad we got to talk about the Safe Banking Act. Um, I might say, um, if your member of Congress, listeners out there, if your member of Congress is not signed on as a co-sponsor to the Safe Banking Act, maybe give them a call and and tell them why you think the cannabis industry uh, needs banking uh, for so many reasons, including the public safety issue as well, because carrying around stacks of cash is not exactly ideal. Um, so Candestin's been a member of NCIA for a few years now. What is your experience being a part of this national association where almost 2,000 member businesses across the country and beyond. What's it been like for you and your company to plug into what we're doing? Well, I think for us, it's been a great experience. You know, we, we as a company are taking steps to try to normalize the industry and have it be treated at the federal level and the local level like any other industry would. And NCIA has been a great partner in that with us. Uh, we, we've been to the lobby days in DC. I'm going to go again this year. Nice. Um, we like the ability to share ideas with other cannabis companies. Um, I think the NCIA is helping to drive the entire industry towards best practices. Um, and, and quite honestly, it's a good thing for everyone in this industry to have an organization that has some political clout in DC and can help change the conversation. Thanks, appreciate that. Yeah, we are in our ninth year as an organization and we are growing um, just as fast as the industry. 
offering more benefits for member companies. And of course, Lobby Days is a uh, member eligible event to go to. Thank you for mentioning that. This year, it is May 21st, 22nd, and 23rd in Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital. And it is so important if you're a member of NCIA and, and or in the cannabis industry, join NCIA, mark your calendars, start making plans because it is so important to speak to these lawmakers, to speak to these offices and meet them and tell them your personal experience and struggles and educate them. They don't know everything. They're members of Congress. They can't know everything. So they need you and you and you and you to show up to lobby days. Thank you again for mentioning that. And I'm glad to hear uh, that you're going to fly all the way across the country from California to lobby days, which I know is a long track, but it's so worth it. Um, of course, we have the local events, the regional networking events that we do all over the country. There's our Cannabis Caucus series, which include a federal policy update from NCIA staff. And as often as possible, we have a local lawmaker or regulator there as well to share what's going on in the ground on the ground. <laughs> well, we know what's in the ground, but on the ground um, in those states or localities. Um, so the Cannabis Caucuses um, happen several times throughout the year. And then this year we launched a new type of industry event, uh, evening networking reception. It's called Industry Socials. These are a little bit more fun because cannabis industry work can be a little stressful. So we're providing a space for people who work in the industry to come play giant Jenga, play some giant Connect Four, play some retro arcade Donkey Kong or something, and still get to connect with your peers and talk with each other and learn from each other. Um, so I recommend if you have not attended either a Cannabis Caucus or an industry social, please log on to our website, thecannabisindustry.org slash events and we've got a calendar there again these events are complimentary for ncia members and the cannabis caucuses now are very limited non-member tickets we've decided to really focus on just getting our members in the room and non-members would need to apply to come attend to come learn about ncia and of course join the organization um, have you had a chance to check out our Northern or Southern California Cannabis Caucus or Industry Socials, Tom? You know, I'm aware of them, but I haven't had the opportunity to attend as of yet. I've been so busy, it's been hard to get away, to be quite honest. But I'm looking forward to attending one of the future events. Totally understand. Yep, make some plans to come play some games with us sometime this year, for sure. Um, all right, well, we are almost out of time here. But thanks again for uh, being a member of NCIA. And I also want to mention NCIA has a lot of resources available on our website, ranging from policy council, white papers, reports that do deep dive into policy recommendations, as well as really informative blogs and reports produced by our member-driven committees. I think I mentioned the 
marketing and advertising committee earlier. There's other committees as well, packaging and labeling, finance and insurance, all these really specific aspects of our industry. And they're all focused on navigating through ever-changing regulations, compliance issues, advice, best practices. Uh, So I definitely encourage listeners to check out our written materials as well. All right. Well, I think that's it for today, Tom. Thank you again for for joining. And uh, where can listeners learn more about Candescent? I think the best place is check out our Instagram page or come to www.candescent.com. That's C-A-N-N-D-E-S-C-E-N-T, right? Correct. Great. Okay. Thanks again for being on the show today. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. This has been MCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4 to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.